When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Listening to Clear Eyes, Full Hearts, a podcast presentation of Cadence 13 in association with Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. I'm Stacey Orstano. And I'm Derek Phillips. Welcome to our second audience participation episode. If you haven't already, go check out our brand new website at www.cleareyesfullheartspod.com. That's cleareyesfullheartspod.com. Visit the site, check out our merch store. There's hot shirts, coffee mugs, stickers, hoodies, info about the show. Now we've asked you to send questions to our email address, cleareyesfullheartspod at gmail.com. And you sent some great ones. So let's dive right in. Our first question today comes from Tommy B who wants to know, have you stayed in touch with your castmates and or worked together on any projects together since FNL? I mean, that's my family. Of course, I'm friends with all of you guys. <laughs> It's weird for me to think of not being friends. Obviously, you and I are super close with Annie, Adrian, Palicki. We were really close with Michael B. for a long time. Michael B. Jordan, we would hang out, the three of us. And a couple of projects, Taylor Kitsch actually wrote and directed a short film that Derek and I both did. And yeah, Kitsch wrote a short film that Stacy and I were in. And also Joey Oglesby, who Joey comes Oglesby. in in the second season of the show, played Guy Raston. I've worked with well, and that's another one. Joey also just did a short film with Adrian Palicki, mm-hmm. and I worked with Taylor Kitsch on that short film. I just got done doing it. Kitsch basically got me this job. He's working on a show uh, right now called The Terminal List with uh, Chris Pratt that's going to be on Amazon later this year, and I've got a small like two-episode recurring role on it that Kitsch not got me. I mean, I had to audition, but he pretty much, he called me on the phone. He's like, eh, did you get that audition that I sent you? And I'm like, oh, that was from you. And he's like, yeah. He's like, it's pretty much yours to lose, so don't screw it up. And so I auditioned for it. And well, you know what happened? I auditioned for one part on it. And Kitsch goes, it's pretty much yours to lose. Don't screw it up. I auditioned for it. I didn't get the part. Uh, so and Kitsch calls me. He goes, Chris Pratt gave it to one of his buddies. And I'm like, oh, I guess I should have become better friends with Chris Pratt then. Mm-hmm. Since you don't have any pull, Kitsch, I'm kidding. And then it wound up happening that there was another part that popped up that I was right for, and they wound up giving me that part. So that's, I mean, but it's 100% on Kitsch that I even had the opportunity to, to be on that show. So I got to work on that with him. I was on Longmire for uh, three or four seasons with Luann Stevens. So we got to hang out with each other, Luann Stevens, who played Grandma Saracen. Also on Longmire was a little gentleman named Brad Leland. So Brad mm-hmm. Leland and I got to hang out and in Santa Fe, New Mexico. But then there's random stuff too, where like Kitsch was shooting a film in Santa Fe, New Mexico, when I was working on Longmire in Santa Fe, New Mexico. So every single night, I'd go out and hang out with Kitsch, along with some of the the other Longmire castmates and some of the castmates that he was working with on his film. There were two years in a row, actually, that Kitsch was shooting in Santa Fe when I was working on Longmire. One year he was doing a, uh, what was the Smoke Jumpers film? I can't remember the name of it that he did. And then he did Waco, where he played David Koresh. Oh, yeah. And so... You know who else was down there, Stace, when we were doing, when Kitsch was doing the David Koresh Waco movie, the 
the DP on it was Todd McMullen. <gasps> really? So Taylor, yeah. So Taylor and Todd McMullen was uh, was a camera operator the first mm-hmm. season on Friday Night Lights, and it, because David Boyd was the director of photography on Friday Night Lights. The second season of Friday Night Lights, though, David Boyd wound up. I think it was the second season, but anyway, Todd McMullen wound up becoming the DP on Friday Night Lights. And also directed a couple episodes of Friday Night Lights. And he's gone on to direct and, and DP a lot of different stuff. So I got to hang out with Todd McMullen, who's one of our favorite people on the planet. And he'll definitely be on the show. I actually talked to him uh, and his wife the other day, Heather, who was also a camera operator on Friday Night Lights and the head of the Texas Film Commission at one point in time, who we wound up having a meeting with. I mean, it's crazy. Like, yes, That's what I'm the saying, bottom line. Keeping it in the family. I think also, I know I can speak for... You, me, Stephen Walters, our producer, and Joey Oglesby again, that Jeffrey Reiner has taken us and cast yeah. us in other productions after this. He brought me in for Shameless. I ended up doing five episodes of that, and it was because of him bringing me in because he was directing the first episode. It's, yeah, we're a tight little family. Yeah, and Jeffrey Reiner brought me in to work on Trauma. He also brought Steve Walters in to work on Trauma and mm-hmm. Kevin Rankin to work on Trauma. And I, as I said earlier in one of our podcasts, maybe a, Maybe we haven't gone over this. Maybe this is a conversation I have with somebody else. But the first time I actually met Kevin Rankin was working on uh, Grey's Anatomy and Asha Davis and I worked together on Grey's Anatomy. And all of that came through Linda Lowy, who was the casting director of Friday Night Lights. So yeah, there's, and Stacy also worked on Grey's Anatomy mm-hmm. because of casting director Linda Lowy, who was the small, casting director for Friday Night Lights. This way you always got to be on your best, best behavior. It's a small world we work in. I also worked on Parenthood because of Jason Kadams. And then, I mean, there's a ton of people from Friday Night Lights that worked on Parenthood, whether it's it's Matt Loria, Scott Mika Porter, Kelly, Michael B. Jordan, uh, yeah, Mika Kelly. I believe Jesse Plemons was on there as well. I was offered a role on Parenthood and I was filming a movie in Louisiana and they wouldn't let me leave to do it. And I got very, very sad. Well, that stinks. Yeah, it really sucked. But yeah, I mean, and I still hang out with a lot of these guys pretty regularly. It is a family. As I said, when I first moved out to LA, I didn't know anybody. And then Friday Night Lights happened. And it was like when I came back to LA, my second stint in LA, because I left LA for a little while. When I came back the second time around, it was like all of my friends that I have to this day are because of Friday Night Lights. So yeah, still hang out with all these guys. Literally talked to Brad Leland two days ago on the phone. Um, We're We're a gross little family. Brad Leland's cat went missing. And so he and I were talking about that and he was driving over to the shelter to see if they'd found the cat and they did. And so <gasps> oh, they yay. got their cat back. So that was. Okay. Yeah. Happy endings. Okay. We're going to move. We're going to move on. Second question. This is a good one from Bao Nock. Who's the funniest person on set? <laughs> we all know the answer is me. Please. No, I think, I mean, look, Stacey's very funny. There's a lot of very funny people on this set, but there's I, only one have, time in my life. We have the same answer. It's Taylor Kitsch. Like it's there Taylor was a Kitch. night that we were all out together. And I mean, when I say I was laughing so hard that my sides were splitting, like I, I had abdominal pain the next day from laughing so hard. Tears uh, streaming, makeup running, people mad about continuity. We were just messing everybody's day up. Oh, that was a totally different. I wasn't even talking about that night, but that oh, night in particular. There's been a few yeah. times that that Taylor Kitsch has messed up my makeup because when I cry, really, when I laugh really hard, I cry, and they're like, "Stacy, please, Stacy, please, don't cry." I'm like, it's too I was late. talking about a night where you, me, Connie, Annie, and Taylor were all hanging out, and Taylor just—I I mean, he was killing me. Uh, talking about they had to do a photo shoot for for one of the seasons, and Kitsch was just 
railing on on it was hysterical. But there was a night that Stacy was just referring to where we were shooting a dinner scene mm-hmm. uh, where all of us are out to dinner. I think it was in maybe season three, and it was you and me and I believe Annie and Dana. Yeah, Wheeler my Nicholson, mom. Who plays it was an mom. engagement party for us. Yeah, and it was. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't think I've ever been like this. I couldn't keep a straight face. None of us uh, could. They were so over us by the end of that. We could not get it to the end of that scene. Yeah. It was ridiculous. But, but the crew Ta- was Taylor laughing Kitch too. Is that was- leg- he is legitimately funny. He is a yeah. funny person. But it's also really interesting because I think Kitch is also kind of shy, oddly enough. Mm-hmm. So it's until he kind of warms up to you, you just think that he's this real quiet, reserved guy. And then once he's comfortable with you, it's like the wheels come off. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, next question. Marco was asking who is, oh, it says Marco is a stunt coordinator. And he's asking, did either of you do any stunts on the show? or watch any of the stunts when they were being done? What were rehearsals and shooting like for those? Yeah, I did do stunts on the show. I, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've done a few. There was a, a stunt that we just talked about in episode eight where Taylor and I have our big fight scene. And then there's also, uh, I mean, this isn't really a stunt so much as like, Justin Reamer was our stunt coordinator. Amazing guy. He's gone on to do Watchmen and a ton of stuff. But like, if you guys saw the big fight scene in Watchmen that came out, for on HBO. There's like a one cut fight scene that's just out of this world. That's yeah. Justin Reamer. He's the one who choreographed that. Amazing stunt guy and stunt coordinator. And so there was a scene where Billy's supposed to be driving down the road and he's like reading something and not paying attention. And he kind of veers over into the left lane. And then I overcorrect when I get back on the road and I'm like, whoa, can't believe that almost happened. Well, it's supposed to be that simple. It's just I kind of veer over in the left lane, overcorrect back into the right lane. I'm doing it. I overcorrect. I, I veer in the left lane. I overcorrect to get into the right lane, go off the road, boom, 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 into a ditch, almost hit a stop sign. And Reamer's sitting there like, what the hell are you doing, dude? And I'm like, sorry, sorry. <laughs> He's like, that was a little too much. Let's try that again. <laughs> so Reamer that. to this day, every time I see him, like still gives me crap about that, that one day. So I was probably not his favorite person to choreograph. That's uh, so dangerous. Oh, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't a good driver. I was the only one in the car, though. So just FYI, it's not like I put anybody else's life at risk. No, but I'm Reamer not worried about you. I'm worried about the car. <laughs> I figured. But Reamer on the walkie is like, what are you doing? Dude? And I'm like, sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to. I overcorrected and literally overcorrected. But yeah. Did you have to do any stunts on the show? No, I did all of my own dancing. The go. only stunt, there was a scene where my mama got really drunk and fell through a coffee table. Yeah. And we had her stunt double do that. And then also a woman who was just like a stunt 
sort of sort of a safety guide ended up playing. She ended up being like my friend in the scene. So she was sitting next to me to make sure whoever was falling through the table was doing it correctly. It's really the only stunt stunt I was around for except for football stuff. I mean, yeah, and you were around for plenty of the football stuff. And so like, yeah, we were on the football field every Friday night, pretty much uh, watching the stunt guys do it. I mean, these Mm -hmm. guys and the hits were real and these guys, they got banged up. Eric Smart who Stacy knows, East Smart. We should have him on the show. I'd love to have him on the show at some point in time. But he played Taylor Kitsch's stunt double. And basically, any time that we, there was a white quarterback on the team that we were playing, Eric Smart was, was uh, mm-hmm. the, the quarterback. He played football at Texas Tech. So he was like a real football player. The guy could throw a frozen rope as a quarterback. But he actually was a safety, I believe, at Texas Tech. Throw a frozen rope. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I've yeah, Smart, I'm pretty sure Eric Smart had a uh, uh, broke his collarbone mm-hmm. in one of the state championship games on Friday Night Lights. But yeah, man, those guys, those guys went after it on the football field. And it's football. It's live football. There are going to be injuries. It was as choreographed as it was and as tough as these guys are, like to make it look real, they, there's real hits out there. But yeah, those guys, we got to see him do it every Friday night. And sit there and go, watch it. I will say, after that scene where my mama falls through the table, we take her to the hospital. And they wanted me outside chain smoking cigarettes because I was upset while my mom is in the hospital. So it's essentially just me in the background while they're inside and I pace back and forth and smoke cigarettes. Not much of of a smoker. And they gave me a pack of cigarettes that apparently was like eight years old. And during one of the takes, listen, I didn't do any stunts, but I really smoked those cigarettes and I threw up during one of the takes. That was Stacy's stunt, smoking cigarettes and puking. I threw up and then we went on with the scene. <laughs> not my favorite day of filming. No, no, not, not, not my favorite day either. Okay. Next question, Stacey. You got it? You want me to do it? I do it. I'll do two in a row. I don't yes. care. Reading is hard. Stacy has trouble reading. Smoking cigarettes and reading are her problem. Uh, Phyllis K has a burning question, and the burning question was, what was your favorite thing to do when you had downtime on set? Um, a couple of things, mostly hanging out with my friends, but there was a, a base camp PA named Michelle, and she and I loved to make Derek's life kind of impossible and one time we got a remote controlled fart machine and we put it inside his trailer underneath the cushions inside so you couldn't see it and we just stood at the door and we hit the little remote control with the fart with the fart noises it's my favorite thing on set was avoiding stacy on downtime to be honest with you i mean it's a great question but the reality is i think that most of the time when Stacy wasn't trying to make my life miserable, we were all just kind of hanging out yep. and, and having conversations with each other. It was. It was just hanging out. Or like we we could we could like watch TV or something if we wanted to. Sometimes Derek and I would have a trailer that our rooms were divided by like a sliding divider door. And usually we just open up yeah. that divider door and make our rooms really big and hang out together. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, a lot of the time 
So, I mean, this, this show, as I said, is different than a lot of shows that I've worked on. There's a lot of shows that you work on where the downtime is literally like everyone's in their own private trailers and no one comes out and no one has any conversation. The only conversation you have is when you're on set. On Friday Night Lights, it was a lot different. It was kind of like base camp was like a common area and everyone would go into their trailers, get into wardrobe, and then we'd all come out of our trailers and just kind of sit around and chat about what was going on until we were called to set. Here's another secret thing about being on set. My very, very favorite place to be on downtime is in the hair and makeup trailer. First of all, because it's the most comfy chairs at base camp, but and it's super air conditioned and they always have like a coffee machine, but that's where the good stories get told, man. They have all the good gossip. If you want to know the good things, hair and makeup trailer. Yeah, and rule number one is an actor, do not piss off hair and makeup because they know everything and they will everything. yeah everybody all the all the rumors on any set start and, and end in the in the makeup trail it's my favorite place to be okay are you okay moving on all right i'm ready alicia f is wondering is there a scene that you were in or not that you can't watch without getting emotional how much time do you have yeah i mean there's multiple there's a ton from the first season we've already talked about the uh the Phil scene where, where Street and, mm-hmm. and uh, Herc fall down. And that was not so much emotional as it is. Like for me, I cried because the acting's so good. I just love that scene. But there's an episode that we haven't gotten to yet. The Sun is the name of the episode oh, with Matt Saracen. And spoiler alert, it's after his father passes away. And that scene yeah. with him and Coach in the bathroom, every single time I watch it, it just guts me. But that's one that I, I don't want to get into too episode. much detail about it because we will talk about that episode later and we'll get into massive detail about that once we get to, I think it's season three, right? I believe. Is it? I'm pregnant. So no, I remember having a big belly. Oh, really? I think it was season four. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. No, 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 no. The sun is in season two. I can't remember. Straight. No, it's not. I'm pregnant. I had a big belly. Huh. You know who, speaking of, Taylor Kitsch made us laugh the hardest that day. And it was so weird because we were like, we're supposed to be at a funeral. But like, it's a fake funeral. It seems to happen sometimes on set, though, when you've got really, really difficult scenes to shoot, though, there needs to be some kind of levity afterwards because Mm -hmm. it it really can stress you out. Especially when you're shooting really, really stressful scenes like that, really dramatic scenes like that. Out of respect for each other, we all, everyone's whispering on set. Everyone's quiet. The machine, the scene Mm -hmm. is being set up and the other actors preparing especially the actor who, you know, Matt, Zach Guilford had a ton of, a ton of stuff to prep for on that day. So everyone's being quiet and respectful of that. But like the minute that's kind of over with, it's like gangbusters. You it's know, a party. Everyone kind of lets loose because the tension's yeah, lifted. There's a but that scene in particular crushes me. Yeah. That whole episode. Oh, that's, we got nominated for the Emmy for that episode for writing from Roland Jones. Shout out. There's another what? one I want to talk about real quick. And it's, I feel like this one is the end of season three because Annie Tyra Palicki or Tyra Palicki, uh, Annie Palicki, yeah. uh, Tyra Collette is talking about being in college and she's in a hotel room with Landry and there's a whole montage going on right before this. And she's reading off the, the, the reasons why she, she wants to go to college. Oh, it's her, co- it's her essay yeah, her she wrote essay. to get into college. And yeah. that one guts me too, because we've seen that character yeah. come so far. It's a really beautiful moment. And there's a whole montage going on with all the characters on the show is that season's kind of coming to a close. And I think for, for me too, on a separate note, I kind of knew that after season three, there's going to be some characters that are gone and you kind of feel like mm-hmm. it's the end of a, a bit of an era. So, but I mean, obviously the one that guts me the most, but I'm in it 
is the the final scene on the show. Not the final scene, the scene before the final scene. Yeah, that one's good. But this one, Maddie singing Grandma out of the closet is what I always think of. Yeah, that's a big one too. On to the next question. Jacob Holmuth has a great question here. He says, if the show were to pick up where it left off, what would be your storyline? What would be a storyline you would like to see? What would be a storyline I would like to see? Hmm. I really want to see Tyra become something bigger than she ever imagined in high school. I'd be interested to see what happened with Tyra, 100%. And I'd also like to find out where, where Landry went off to. Because we kind of, like, Landry just kind of disappeared oh. in the end. And I don't feel like we had any kind of closure. I'd like to find out, does Smash make it to the pros? I think he ends up at Texas A&M or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'd like to find out what happened with that. I'd like to find out if Tim and, and, and uh, Tyra are a couple. You know what I mean? Because it's kind of left like they might, they might try and rekindle that. Oh, gosh, I'm, mo- I'm most interested now that you said that and what happened to Landry. We get Jesse on here and ask him mm-hmm. what he thinks, where he thinks Landry went. Yeah. I'd, li- I'd really like to know the answer to that one. Basically, all of it. I want to know where everybody is. Yeah, I'd love to, to know what happened to all these characters. But we just yeah. have lots of babies. I was thinking about it. You realize that our, the, the twins that played our son are like 16 years old now? They're no, sorry, 12. Yeah, they're old. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. Lord. It's crazy. Oh, Lord. They don't come home anymore. They don't talk. They don't call. They don't write. They don't call. They don't write. It's terrible. Stevie. Stevie Hannibal. Stevie Guys, one Hannibal, last question we got. I think yeah. Stevie, Stevie Hannibal Reagan. This one's pretty interesting. Uh, not sure when this episode is going to air, but Freddie W. asks, I keep hearing about an IOTC strike. What is IOTC and would a strike have affected FNL back in the day? So on Monday, we are set to have an IOTC strike. IOTC stands for the International Association of Theatrical Stage Employees. They represent over 150,000 people and it's our crew in the entertainment industry. Anybody from electricians to costumers to camera ops to scripties, even into post-production editors sound mixers and people that pay us our paychecks. It, it's, it runs the gamut of people that make our shows work. And yeah, so they are maybe, unless a deal gets reached striking on Monday, Derek and I are both on shows right now that will be affected and will shut down when the strike happens. And um, guys, the, the things that they're asking for, it's basic human rights. They're asking for a livable wage for the lowest paid among them. They're asking for turnaround hours that are going to give them safety when they're driving home. They're asking for meal hours. Right now, some people don't even get a break to eat food. They're called meal penalties and they work through it. They work, the, the hours that they are asked to work are completely unattainable and everything that they are asking for, they should 100% get. Stacy and I have talked about Friday Night Lights being one of the rare shows that our days on Friday Night Lights were, you know, 10 hours, eight hours, a lot of times, you know, sometimes we had 12 hour days and there were a couple of times where we had 17 hour days. That was a rarity on Friday Night Lights. The norm on most shows is about a 12 hour day with a lot of days going into overtime, which is sometimes 15 hours. For actors, we're kind of lucky because we've got a union that allows us to have a 12 hour turnaround, which means if I wrap at 12 o'clock at night, they can't call me back in until 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Doesn't work that way. Unless you okay it. Yeah, unless I okay it. 
but it doesn't work that way for IATSE members. There are a lot of times where they have eight-hour turnarounds, which means you only have eight hours from the time that you finish work one night to the time you have to be back the next morning. And that, I mean, it's, and when you're doing that day in and day out, people aren't getting enough sleep. It also doesn't take into consideration the fact that sometimes you're on a set that's an hour away from your house. It's not really a livable situation. There's nothing livable about it. Yeah. And then, I mean, there's a lot of things too, where a lot of times productions will shoot any night scenes that they have on a Friday night. So that means Friday night, you might start shoot, every day that week you shot at six o'clock in the morning, you get up at six o'clock in the morning, you shoot at six o'clock in the morning. And then Friday night, your day starts at 7 PM, right? As the sun's setting. And then you shoot till seven o'clock in the morning, which would be fine. But then on Monday morning, you have to be back at work at six o'clock in the morning. So people aren't getting weekends. There's a lot of times where people are having to shoot on Saturdays as well. And it's, our business is one of those businesses that everyone wants to be a part of it. Everyone wants to be in this business and you have to pay your dues. You know, as a, as a young actor, I had to do extra work. I waited tables, I bartended just to have an opportunity to get to be on a show like Friday Night Lights. It's the same thing when you're starting out in this business. You start out as a grip or a focus puller, all because mm -hmm. one day you want to be a camera operator so that one day you can become a director of photography so that one day you can become a director. But if you're starting out as a grip, and you're working hours that are unlivable, it makes it very difficult for that person because they can't, they can't complain. You can't have a sick day because you'll get the title of being hard to work with and they'll find someone to replace you. And that's, that's kind of what's going on right now. I'm not trying to push you guys into thinking one way or another about it, but this mm -mm. is, this is, uh, this is this what IOT is, and this is what this strike yeah, would potentially be. And standing be about. on a precipice of a of a strike that would be unprecedented in our industry. And just really fast, because these would be people that we wouldn't normally name on the podcast when we're talking about it, but these people made the show happen. They get there the earliest, they go home the latest. So I'm just gonna shout out a couple people for a second. Some of our camera ops. Heather Page, Amanda Bruce Parker, Ian Ellis, Jim Marquette, Robert Rendon, Kelly Bogdan, and Steve Page. And then some of our ADs, ADs and second ADs, Tony Griffin, Doug Cooper, Casey Goodall, Kalita Ellington, Carla Bowen, and Sean Pipkin is a small number of people that we're going to try to shout out every few episodes just so their name gets out there. I know that these guys do all of the heavy lifting for us. And yeah. just from where I stand, full on IATSE solidarity. I hope that the strike doesn't happen, but I'm on the picket line when it does. Yeah. And there, I mean, as I said before, these are all members of our crew that are there long before we as actors arrive and they're there long after we're gone. And this is, I know that there's this idea that this is a very glamorous profession, uh, but trust mm -hmm. me, when you're, when you're working on sets and you're out on location, it's not very glamorous. I was saying to Stacy the other day, the show that I'm working on, I was really excited because there was a porta potty that we were using that they had just sprayed down and it was clean inside. And it was like, ooh, fresh porta potty. But that's kind of, you know, <laughs> half the buildings that you're shooting in are abandoned buildings that are loaded with asbestos. There's, it's not a safe yeah. environment. And this is just kind of the nature of the film industry. And it's been this way for, for a while. And a lot of it is just strictly to save money. But uh, sometimes it's saving money. It, it not only, the joy of people's lives, but at the risk of people's lives. I actually worked yeah, on a it's show. A safety, it's a safety problem. I worked on a show where one of the drivers, literally, we had just worked a 15-hour day. He had an hour drive back uh, home, and it had an hour drive to work that morning. And on the drive back, we can't be sure 100% that the reason his car crashed is because of uh, lack of sleep. But regardless, he was in a car accident, and he died. And 
you can't help but think that the hours that these guys put in, these men and women put in, are partially responsible for that. So that's what the IATSE strike potentially will be. And the effect that it will have on you as a consumer and as a viewer of television and entertainment is it may mean that when this episode airs, some of your shows are, are no longer on TV They're because they haven't been able to, to reach a, an agreement. So it may mean some of your favorite shows are, are no longer on TV or there's a little hiatus going on or films have been pushed back or television shows have been pushed back. So that's what it means. Uh, hopefully it won't come to a strike and they, they can, the producers and, and the union can come to some kind of an agreement, but yeah. that's from right now we have, we have two days yeah. <laughs> from when the day we're recording. Yeah. Lizzie, that was an amazing question. Thank you yeah. so much for letting us get that out of our system. And I think that's going to be it for this, our second audience interaction episode. Um, we want some more questions, guys. Send us what you want to know. The email address again, clearizefullheartspod at gmail.com. Join us next time when we talk about episode nine of Friday Night Lights titled Full Hearts with special guest Gaius Charles, who played Smash Williams. But until then, clear eyes. Full heart. Can't lose. Can't lose. Clear Eyes Full Hearts is a podcast presentation of Cadence 13 in association with Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. Executive producers are Stacey Oristano and Derek Phillips, Chris and Mandy Wimmer for Black Barrel Media, and Steve Walters for Ritual Productions. Our producer is Miranda Parham. Send your questions to clearEyesFullHeartsPod at gmail.com. Find us on social media. I'm Stacey Oristano on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm at Derek Phillips on Twitter and underscore Derek Phillips on Instagram. And check out our websites, clearEyesFullHeartsPod.com, Cadence13.com, and BlackBarrelMedia.com. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week.